Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, and Chris Lisa isn't able to be with us today. He's under the weather out on Long Island. But thankfully, last-minute call-up Justin Emerson of the Las Vegas Sun is able to join us. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff today. we got a real good show planned. First of all, Justin, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming in short notice, sir. Yeah, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. All right, all right. Justin is a member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, and he covers the Vegas Golden Knights for the Las Vegas Sun and the Las Vegas Weekly Magazine here in Las Vegas. You guys can all find his stuff on Twitter at J15 Emerson, if I have that correct. Make sure you go to his Twitter feed, give him a follow, and and check out all his content there. It's real good stuff. So, Justin, let's let's get started. There's you know, some weeks in, in uh, hockey, it's uh, game recaps and uh, maybe a call-up or an injury to talk about. But uh, some weeks, it gets real easy to find content. <laughs> this is going to be okay. one of those weeks for me, sir. Um, this morning at the morning skate, we were going back and forth on, on uh, the text messaging there. And we've got a, a kind of a special night for longtime locals in Las Vegas like myself. I remember watching this kid's dad play uh, in the mid-90s with Clint Malarchuk and all the boys on the Las Vegas Thunder. Uh, Gage Quinney has been called up to the Vegas Golden Knights along with Zach Whitecloud. Um, what did you see out of, out of young Gage Quinney in line rushes? Who was he skating with? And, and just kind of break down what the fans can expect to see out of him tonight. Well, he's going to play tonight. That was confirmed. He's, it looks like he's going to be the fourth line center tonight, it looked like, off of line rushes between uh, Tomas Noshek on the left and Ryan Reeves on the right. But, uh, you know, he's been having a good season in Chicago. And uh, like, like a couple of people said, like, he's, he's here because he deserves it. He's been, he's been working hard. He's been producing. It'll be his NHL debut. And, you know, you had mentioned the kind of the cool factor of, of his dad, Ken Quinney, who played with the Las Vegas Thunder. I mean, Gage is going to be the first player born in Nevada to appear in the NHL. So a bit of a historic night for the Golden Knights. And it's, it's a cool thing that they get to be the one to have the, the Nevada player. He was born in Las Vegas uh, when, when his dad was playing with the Thunder. You know, he, he played with the, uh, the Las Vegas Storm junior teams, the U16 and U18 teams here. So it, it really is a cool thing, especially consider that the team's moniker is Vegas-born. You have a player who is quite literally Vegas-born about to skate on their fourth line tonight. So that's, it's going to be a cool moment for him and for everybody and, you know, for people like you, like you said, that, that remember the old Las Vegas Thunder days and seeing his dad. It'll be, it'll be a very fun night. Yeah, well, we uh, very first episode of this show back in 2015, Clint Malarchuk was our first guest. Um, that that was quite a treat, and we talked about the Vegas fan base uh, with with Clint a little bit, and in kind of a, a prelude to what the the you know the community of Las Vegas has responded to the Vegas Golden Knights. He said that the joke in the locker room back on those Thunder teams was that the the Las Vegas fan base must have thought that it was an NHL team they were following given the rapid reaction and the attendance um, for, for those IHL teams back in the 90s. That, it, it was certainly a lot of fun watching a lot of those players 
come come through Vegas. Uh, there was the 94 lockout season where, where we saw a lot of players. Manon Rumey, the first female professional goaltender to play uh, in the IHL. So, I mean, a lot of good memories from that. So, yeah, a very special night in Las Vegas. And let's say 10 years ago, the odds that the first Las Vegas-born NHLer would actually be playing his first game in Las Vegas, we could have got some good money on the book on that one. <laughs> no kidding. You know, it's, it's honestly, it was kind of surprising that Nevada hasn't had a player reach the NHL. I mean, there are players from all over the league, and I understand that, you know, that the that Vegas didn't have an NHL team until a couple of years ago, but, but I mean, John Merrill's from Oklahoma. He's made it to the NHL, so I am <laughs> a little surprised that, uh, that they've made it this long without a Nevada player being here, but uh, it's cool that I guess they were waiting for the Golden Knights to get here, so Vegas gets to be the first team to pop out the Vegas-born player. Absolutely. And then I wanted to uh, – you, you did say Nosek was on the ice during line rushes this morning. How did he look? And I assume that he's going to be a go for tonight, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'll be playing. He played He played the other night. I don't think he's missed a game in a little while. Yeah, no worry about him. He'll be – He'll probably be out there in his regular role, playing on the fourth line, killing penalties, the regular stuff that we expect out of him. Yeah, well, the reason I ask is, remember, he left the game uh, against Tampa Bay after taking a puck in the face um, just after removing his visor. So I would just just double check (laughs) in. He's a hockey player, so it it looked bad when he left the ice and didn't return. But no, he didn't have the full visor on today at, at pregame skate. He's good to go. Uh, not that I noticed. Yeah, no, he's he's good to go. He'll be he'll be ready to go. All right. Well, well, good. Thank you for those updates. Um, let's get into the some of the other news. Zach Whitecloud also recalled, and it leaves me wondering about Nick Haig and the DeBoer administration, but um, I digress there. Uh, Whitecloud also rejoining the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I saw some tweets from, from uh, the morning skate. He's paired with Alec Martinez, and when I saw the, the call-up of Whitecloud, I thought that actually that would be a really good fit uh, defensively for White Cloud as well as for Alex Martinez. How did they look together at Morning Skate today? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a that, that's a good I think that's a good pairing. Alex Martinez, he played on the uh, you know he can play on the right side, he can play on the left side. He played on the uh, on the left the first game when he was paired with John Merrill. He'll be I'm sorry, he played on the right the first game and he'll be on the left tonight. Uh, with Zach Whitecloud on the right. Obviously, you can't take too much from from morning skate, but I do think one thing that was interesting is their lockers are right next to each other. And that uh-huh. was kind of a, it was kind of a cool thing to see Alec Martinez kind of, and we, you know, we, we weren't quite sure what was said, but, you know, it looked almost like he was taking Zach Whitecloud under his wing a little bit. You know, Alec Martinez has been on the team for all of, what are we up to now, three, four days? But he's been <laughs> in the league for a long time. I mean, he spent 11, parts of 11 seasons with the Los Angeles Kings. He's been around the block once or twice. So for Zach Whitecloud to have a guy, guy like that who can be next to him in the locker room, who can uh, be next to him on the ice, I think that that's a good pair considering that since Whitecloud has been here, he's played, he's played pretty well, and I think he's fit into what uh, Pete DeBoer has been looking for kind of from a third-pair right-handed defenseman. And uh, he's been living up to that pretty well, and, uh, and I agree with you. I think that Martinez-Whitecloud uh, could, could be a really good pairing moving forward. No, I, I agree. That was my thought. Um, the, you know, when when the news was breaking that the the Golden Knights were acquiring Alec Martinez, I saw a lot of kind of angst about the price and uh, his age, and you know the, the 
but mostly it was about two second round picks for a 32 year old defenseman. Well, I've been a Kings fan since 1980. Uh, a slight, slight diversion here tonight is the relive the miracle night where the golden Knights are hosting the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team at T-Mobile Arena. So if if you haven't yet, get you some tickets and get down there. It's going to be a special night for that reason as well. But that game as a 12-year-old boy inspired me to my, uh, and I give my age away, but inspired me to fall in love with the game of hockey. Um, So, man, I lost my train of thought. It happens sometimes (laughs) when you get to be this age. You were were talking about kind of the, the, the price point on Alec Martinez. And I was, Oh, there you go. I was a little surprised when I saw that it was two second round picks. I was surprised that Vegas was willing to give that up for a player. Like you said, who's 32 years old, who has eight points this season, who hasn't exactly been blowing the roof off. And he's never, never exactly been a puck mover, but Two second round picks, and I and I wrote it. I thought I thought it was a was a little prohibitive of a price. I was surprised that that's what they gave up. L. A. didn't retain any salary, so now they're, you know, they're they wanted it, but they're on the hook for his four million dollar cap hit for next season too. So that one surprised me a little bit. Obviously, he went out and on the first night at least scored a goal and had an assist, so made everybody that doubted it look a little silly on the first night. But we'll see how well that goes and. Um, you know, they're they're moving. They're making moves. They've already acquired Alec Martinez. They traded away Cody Eakin. There could be – I don't think that the activity is necessarily done ahead of ahead of Monday's deadline. So. No, well, hey, I, hey, I, I still wasn't calling you on the carpet for uh, the critique of the, of the cost for Alec Martinez. But the – when you break it down, they, they gave away this year's second-round pick that was their own. They they gave away the second rounder that came from St. Louis via Buffalo in the Colin Miller deal. And I think what you get out of Alex Martinez, and, and no, he's not going to score goals every night. The the kind of plays that he made in his debut with the Golden Knights that we are that we should expect to see because I've watched him play a lot of hockey. We should expect the smart defensive zone reads on puck exits. The, just like the setup for, for to Pacioretty where he stood up at the blue line, he took away the puck, bounced it off the boards, and freed Pacioretty and Stone on a two-on-one, which Stone eventually scored on the backhand. You're going to see Alex Martinez in the slot blocking shots, which has been a DeBoer mounter from day one. You're going to see him clearing people out of the crease as much as his frame allows him to do. Um, we saw him in those down low battles in his debut as he gets more comfortable in the system where he's supposed to be expect to see more of that. And the, the, the thing that I really think is important to this golden Knights team is that outside of Mark Andre Fleury, you had Braden McNabb with one championship in 2014, also with the LA Kings. And you had Stevenson with one championship amongst the skaters uh, with Washington two years ago. What Alex Martinez does effectively is double the number of Stanley cup rooms, Stanley cup rings in the locker room and brings that type of mentor relationship. You hinted at already seen today when you bring up this stable of young defensemen that the Knights have been percolating in Chicago. When you go to Coughlin and Bischoff and Haig and White Cloud and Schultz, these, are all players that the Golden Knights feel have NHL potential if they couldn't already be playing on this team if there wasn't a logjam of Holden, Merrill, and England in front of them. We may see three of those rookies take this roster next year, and a player like Alex Martinez, who the players know they can trust, they have the championship respect, I think that really deserves, in my opinion, the price of taking the second-round pick from Colin Miller and turning it into 
you know, a championship caliber defenseman who's going to pay dividends in the playoffs with that experience. And I, and I've seen that argument too. I, 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 you know, and I'm, I've never played in the NHL, so obviously I don't know Me how either. it's about a guy, you know, coming in with these Stanley Cup rings. I think, personally, I think that's a little overblown, the importance of that. I mean, the team made it to the Cup final in the first year with, with how many people on the team that have had a Cup ring. I mean, not, not that many. So it's not like the team doesn't know how to win and Alec Martinez is going to come in and show them what it takes to win in the playoffs or that kind of thing. Uh, my, my issue with it was that I just don't think that Alec Martinez is that much of a uh, you know, of an, uh, of that much of a difference maker. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that's playing on the third pair and that kind of thing. I don't think that he's a bad player by any means, and he made the team better than it was before he got here. But, you know, two second-round picks I thought was a little bit much, um, especially without L.A. retaining any salary. I didn't, I didn't think it was a bad pickup. I just thought that, you know, the price was a little much. So that's all. And, uh, you know, well, that's fair in, enough. In the first game, he came in and – you know, he was really good, and if and you'd mentioned that play uh, on the eventual stone goal, kind of the exit to Pacioretty. I think that's what they're going to be looking from him from an offensive standpoint, and if he's going to score a goal every now and then, you know, that's just gravy. And his his uh, ability to play in his own zone, too, and, and responsibility with the puck is something that I think Golden Knights fans are going to really appreciate about his game. But you also mentioned the other move that uh, the Golden Knights made this week, shedding $3.85 million in salary cap space with uh, kind of the guy that the, the Twitter VGK kind of love to hate on a little bit. But I really, you know, for a third-line center, in Cody Eakin, being able to take a face-off and, and one of the better penalty killers on the the roster here in the National Hockey League, um, certainly maybe a little overpriced for his skill set and his offensive upside, but the Knights were able to turn that into a conditional fourth-round pick to the Winnipeg Jets, conditional on if he re-signs with the team or Winnipeg makes the playoffs this year, that turns into a third-round pick. Were you surprised they were able to get that much for, for Cody Eakin, or is that about what you thought would be the market when when and if he was moved? Uh, that's what I thought the market would be last summer if they decided to move him. I am quite surprised that they got a conditional fourth that, by all accounts, can and probably will. Should be. Winnipeg's a wild-card team right now. Um, right. Yeah, I am, I am surprised. And for as much as I thought that the price on Alec Martinez was too high, I thought the price on Cody Eakin was too high, but the Golden Knights are the beneficiaries of that. You know, they were able to clear some cap space, and that's something that they needed to do. Alex, it's it's not an issue right now because Alex Tuck is on long-term injured reserve, but when he comes back, they were going to be in a cap crunch, and they were going to have to try to figure something out. And Eakin not only does that, but also allows them some flexibility to go out and make another move if they had wanted to. And Kelly McCrimmon said it today. It was a move that was they were able to do because of the depth of center that they have. Just in it, what turned into Eakin's last game on Thursday against Tampa Bay, his line was Eakin at center, Stevenson on the left side, and Nicholas Wall on the right. That's three centers <laughs> that are playing on one right. line. So if you were to you know, lose one of those or, in this case, trade one of those, you know, they're bumping Will Carrier up to the third line, but you still have Nicholas Waugh and Chandler Stevenson on that line tonight, which means, you know, you traded away a center and you still have an extra center. So at the price point that he was at, he was, I don't want to say holding back what they wanted to do at the trade deadline, but he was a guy that was able, that they were able to move on and, you know, accumulate that cap space, which, you know, is, is going to be more valuable, I think, than what Cody Eakin had brought to the team this season. And you and you mentioned the depth at center. I would have to bet 
that if Cody Glass had not been re-injured um, the other day in Chicago, that he now would be inheriting that, you know, he was the heir apparent for that third line spot. I think playing him at wing all season, uh, except for the first few games of the season, I think Stastny was injured and, and he was centering Stone and Pacioretty and looked very good doing it. I think with him learning to play wing at the NHL level, um, we haven't really seen the best of um, unfortunately, that's another talking point for, for this show and this week is that now Cody Glass has re-injured his knee. Um, have you heard any estimations on his return to being healthy yet? Uh, they wouldn't give us one, unfortunately. We've heard in Chicago and Coach Rocky Thompson, uh, the AHL coach, all he said uh, confirmed that he hurt his knee. Uh, wouldn't give uh, any sort of timetable. Kelly McCrimmon, same thing today. Wouldn't give a timetable uh, just to say that hopes that they'll be back. So we're kind of in the dark on that one. So we don't know if he could be back you know, within a week or two or if he's going to be done for the season. We just don't know right now. Um, like I said, I mean, they've gone, because of his injuries, unfortunately, they've gone a lot of this season without Cody Glass. So they're not relying on him necessarily. Like, you know, if Stoner Patch already got hurt, it would be problematic. And you might try to, you know, make a trade deadline move to address that for the rest of the season. With Glass, um, he does play, you know, a position of depth right now, so they don't need to go out and get another center or a right winger or whatever they envision Cody Glass playing. Um, so they'll kind of look at it as a late-season acquisition if and when he does come back, and uh, hopefully that is uh, in time for the playoffs because I think that he is a player that will bring some value should should they get there. And also with the depth at center, being able to call up a Gage Quinney. Um, yep. Absolutely the flexibility at center is one of the strengths of of this young franchise all the way all the way down into Chicago and and defensive depth uh, right there with that. Um, let's let me uh, move on right now to the Knights are on a four game win streak and earlier in the season there were some questions that sort of rubbed Turk the wrong way about being able to compete with <laughs> with the elite uh, uh, teams of the National Hockey League. Well, on this homestand, they've beaten St. Louis. The Capitals, the last two Stanley Cup champions, a very good team in the New York Islanders, coached by a champion named Barry Trotz. Um, the other night, they beat the hottest team in the National Hockey League, breaking the 11-game win streak by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they've done it in every different fashion you could imagine. They've scored 6-5. They've scored one nothing. They've won it in regulation. They've won it in overtime. They've come from behind to win. They've They've led from face off to final horn um is this a sign of a team that's starting to run toward that cockroach mode where they can win any game they play in any fashion that they need to play to win it that we've seen mostly in year one but for a large stretch of last season as well are we approaching because we've heard all year about it's a process and you have new guys coming in and out of the lineup and the growth in the chemistry is coming and then we had the stretch right before uh, Coach Gallant was relieved of his duties where they just were not starting games on time, falling behind 3 nothing in five out of seven games, which at the time looked to be a very critical homestand for this Golden Knights team. Is this team, and, and you're around them all the time, are they, are they approaching that cockroach mode where they can kill anything anyway, and are we going to start seeing the consistency out of this team as we head towards the playoffs? Look, we've said it all year. There have been a couple of, you know, nice little winning streaks. They had that, you know, Pacioretty goal with 0.3 seconds left in Nashville. Um, <laughs> so we've said it before that they might be ready to turn the corner, but this time this time I think they are. I think they've played 
so well over these last four games. Again, considering the competition that they've faced, some of the best teams in the National Hockey League, and being able to beat them all, like you said, in so many different ways, I, I think it's hard not to get excited about the team right now. And you mentioned the consistency of the rest of the way. You know, there's 20 games left in this season. I, I think they're in I think they're in good shape. I mean, this is a team that has looks like it's finally putting it together, that they're not just winning these games, but the underlying numbers have said that they should be winning these games. They aren't, you know, pulling out flukes against the Blues or against the Capitals. Uh, it, all season, you know, some of the underlying numbers, some of the Corsi numbers, some of the expected goals, some of the things that you look at that think that maybe this team isn't as bad as the record says that it is, have said that they're good, and we've been waiting for that to get there, and I think it's it's finally getting there and whether it's taken a good coach uh, or a new coach to come in and do this, or if it's just a positive regression to where they always should have been, it's, it's finally happening. And I think that's a good sign for the golden Knights that they might start to peak going into the playoffs, which is what you want to be doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, no, absolutely. And with one game left in this homestand, uh, Florida Panthers coming in tonight, they are a, high-powered offense-type team, which worries me in regular season play, but not so much when it comes to the playoffs. They kind of remind me of Dallas a few years ago, where they were flying high at about a 3.8 goals per game, but also giving up a 3.2 goals per game. And and this Florida Panthers team is kind of rolling along in that same vein. They're second in goals in the NHL with 211. They're third in goals per game at 3.5. Their power plays ranked eighth overall. Huberto is seventh in the league in scoring, 76 points. Evgeny Dadunov is having a kind of a breakout season. Look for him to get to 30. He's got 24 goals now. Alexander Barkov, 17th in the league in scoring at 60 points. But they're also 29th in goals allowed at 3.1 per game. Is this a game that the Golden Knights want to get into a track meet, or is it better for them to, to, to be – a little bit more conservative point to point with their game and, and slow down this Florida Panthers team. Well, I didn't have any problem scoring them, slowing them down a month ago or whenever they played and they beat them seven to two. Um, right. You know, as far as there are teams are always going to tell you, they want to play, you know, low scoring games. They want to have defensive systems going well and goalies going well and all that. But and me personally, a six, five games, a lot more fun to watch than a one nothing game. So as far as track meet, that's that's kind of what I hope for. It's more entertaining that way. But but no, the Knights are going to want to slow down the Panthers. You you just went through all their credentials, and this is a team that maybe because of the market that they play in, or because of how unsuccessful they've been over the last two decades, that you don't think a whole lot about. But Panthers are really good this year. They're outside of the playoffs right now in a really good Atlantic division. They have as many points as the Golden Knights do this season, um, in one fewer game. So. You know the Panthers are the Panthers are really good this year, and I you know seven two uh, is not indicative of how much better the Golden Knights are than the Panthers. And um, we'll watch for this one a little bit. I think at the end of a long road trip or at the end of a long homestand where you've got a game tomorrow in Anaheim, a division game. I I don't want to call this a trap game just because I said how good the Panthers have been this year, but this is one that if the Golden Knights were to lose, particularly after the way that they've been playing you can kind of shake it off and not worry too much about it. No, no and it all, all, it almost does feel like a trap game. And you mentioned the Anaheim game tomorrow. Um, after the Anaheim game, they get two days off and then two of the next four at, well, four of the, 
the next four games there are at home. So you're really looking at a stretch with nine out of ten at home. This we 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 pinpointed here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast that this this was the season right here, and three of those next five, uh, Anaheim, Edmonton, and the Kings are against Pacific Division opponents. Now, albeit Anaheim and the Kings aren't contending for the division this year, but still points against your division are very important. And then they kick off that four game homestand with Edmonton coming in Um, schedule the rest of the way, your thoughts on um, where they're sitting now and how, how important these next four games, you know, nine out of nine out of 10 at home, if they can somehow get Florida tonight and take four of the next five, at home, whether they drop the Edmonton game, you don't want to do that, or um, the roadie in between. Nine out of ten is going to get you at least some separation in this Pacific Division, I would think. Yeah, you would think. I mean, you look at it, and the schedule starts to do them a little bit of a favor next week. I mean, after this, you know, I think I think Coach DeBoer called it the Valley of Death the other day. These games against Blue huh. Isles, Caps, and Lightning. You look at it, you, after that Edmonton game, you got three home games against Buffalo, L.A., and New Jersey, which, you know, not not great teams this year. So, I mean, this is – they're currently in the second most important stretch of the season the rest of the way. You know, you want to win these games against the good teams. But I think what you're going to be looking at is those last two weeks of the seasons where you've got – to finish up the season, you have six games against Vancouver, Arizona, and then Winnipeg, but then Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. So you're looking at – you know, five of your last six games are against the four teams that are right around you in the standings. So, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get hot at the right time, like they are right now, if you want to get hot again one more time this year, it's gonna be those last six games of the year. So, yeah, the stretch over the next week, like you had said, these home games are important. But, you know, for a team that has big playoff aspirations, I think that beating the Sabers, Kings, and Devils is almost something that you kind of I don't want to say take for granted, but those are games that you almost should win um so yeah you're looking at you know it's it's so much of a cliche and inside hockey locker rooms but you know every game does really matter and and how tight that the pacific division is right now losing games against anybody could cost you but you know you got to beat the good teams on the schedule to kind of prove that you can but you also should be beating the bad teams on the schedule because you're better than them but also beat the pacific division teams because those are the games that matter most so you know it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint Games being too much more important than others. Hey, two points is two points, right? Absolutely, yeah. You'll take it against uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning or against the New Jersey Devils. You're not too worried about that. All right. Well, Justin, thank you so much for your time this this afternoon. I really appreciate you jumping in on short notice. Let everybody know where they can find your stuff and, and all your Vegas Golden Knights content. Yeah, LasVegasSun.com, the Golden Knights page. It's a lot of me, a couple of columns here and there from my esteemed colleagues. So LasVegasSun.com, and I'm on Twitter at J15Emerson, E-M-E-R-S-O-N. So uh, come follow along. I make a lot of funny jokes during games. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can vouch for that. You, you pop up quite a bit in the Twitter feed when when I'm on during the game. So, I, hey, I appreciate you coming in, and we'd love to have you back on the show here a uh, little bit, bit closer to playoff time and get your thoughts on, on uh, hopeful playoff matchups as they become apparent to the Vegas Golden Knights, sir. Anytime, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, that was Justin Emerson of the Las Vegas Sun. We appreciate him giving us his time this morning with Chris out with the flu on Long Island, uh, obviously connected with it. Always uh, good to follow him on Twitter. His 
his uh, insights and comments are great. Um, that's going to do it for this week's show of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Look for us to come back Tuesday with our midweek report. Uh, by then, hopefully, we'll have an update on the Cody Glass situation. We'll have a couple more games of Alex Martinez and uh, apparently being paired together now, which is is really when you when you go down the the pairings with McNabb Schmidt. Uh, Theodore either Holden or Merrill or maybe another rookie gets called up and uh, Martinez white cloud that really does slot the defense very well uh, and and what I've heard this morning is uh, be on the lookout for possible Eric Gustafson landing in Las Vegas a uh, couple of the guys Ryan the hockey guy on Twitter, a couple other guys and tweeting out that they're still hearing Vegas is in the running for Eric Gustafson out of Chicago. Um, offensive upside defenseman, uh, sometimes suspect in his own end, but maybe with this structure and these players around him slotted down the lineup, um, could be a, a nice add to the Vegas Golden Knights. And as the forward core continues to get better and better, um, especially the Carlson Pacioretty stone line when Carlson's hand gets all the way better and he can start taking faceoffs again that's going to be one of the tougher lines to play against in the NHL and it's also going to free up space for the the Smith Marshall Stastny line as they get paired up with the team's second and third tier defensemen um the, the forward core is really going you could with Cody Glass and Tuck's injuries, you could see a it, when they return, if they return, it, it, I'm looking for a Cody Glass at center with Alex Tuck and Will Carrier as his wingers. Now, that's not a bad third line in any NHL hockey uh, hockey team. So with that, and then if you go Stevenson, Roy, Nosek, Carrier, Reeves for that fourth line slot, um, it gives Coach DeBoer a lot of options, and it gives them a lot of depth. Uh, so so as of right now, the Gustafson trade has not been finalized, but rumors are that it's close. Be on the lookout for that in the next couple of days. And uh, have a good time tonight at the Fortress celebrating the 40th anniversary of the 1980 Miracle on Ice USA hockey team. Uh, that'll do it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Go Knights, go Knights go, and we're gone. Thank you.